If you like listening to Inglorious Trexperts, you'll love watching us. Really? Wait, how? I, guess, I guess you will. I guess you will. But how, how can one do that, Mark? Now you can download the free Electric Now app featuring video podcasts of The Inglorious Trexperts, The 430 Movie, Best Movies Never Made, and tons of free TV, movies, and more. You're saying it's so all, all free? All free? I'm saying it's free. 100% no free. Page, 100%. There's no Patreon. There's no premium fees. There's no electronic frontier. Well, there's no All excuse there is, not to get it then. There's no excuse not to. That's what I'm saying. So download the Electric Now app today and start watching us right now. Need to make a call? Look for a police call box. That's where you'll find Two on Who, the new Doctor Who podcast from Electric Surge. Two on Who is available wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to The Rebel and the Rogue. I am your host, Jason Tobias, and to my left is the lovely co-host. What up, everyone? This is Bevan. Welcome to our Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. Does Get that you. ever get old for you? No, it doesn't. Because okay, every time my head bobs, I'm just into <laughs> it every time. But I'm also getting excited because we have an amazing recurring guest here, Tim Martin, director, creature builder, amazing human being. Thanks so much for coming back on the show, dude. No problem. Glad to be here. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome, so Welcome. Thank you. Thank We're you. really excited to talk to you because you've also been working on a really hot show that's out you right now. You might have heard of it. You might have heard of it. It's not really called Star Wars. I mean, it is Star Wars, but it's called something called, I don't know, wait, help me out here. The Manda, 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 Manda. The Amanda Project? Amanda, no. Amanda. The Amanda Project? The, the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. It's silent here now. <laughs> You're a pin drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the it's Mandalorian. About some uh, guy with a helmet. It's shiny. It's, it's a very shi- shiny. It's a shiny helmet. helmet mm-hmm. Not Darth Vader. No. But he's got a helmet. He's like Boba Fett, but he's not Boba Fett. But he is, but he isn't. He's not. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty cool, though. It's very cool. I'm on board. I'm all about it. We weren't able to talk to Tim about it last time because he was tight-lipped and the show was not out. But the show is out now. Yes. That so is right. So he can display all yeah. the secrets. Yeah. Drop Everything. the secrets. All Everything. those secrets. But We're first just kidding. Off, Tim, what did you actually do on The Mandalorian? Um, at the time, I was working at Legacy Effects. I'd been there uh, back and forth for the last several years. Um, what was the first thing that we did that I'm able to talk about? Because it's our, well, we I did I did a lot of work on the actual Mandalorian costume. Oh, nice! And nice. that character went through different phases. It started off with a six foot two stunt actor, so we built a suit that fit him. Then they eventually cast another guy. Um, who was much shorter, so we had to completely redo everything to scale down. Mm. And each one of those suits has like five different phases. And if you've seen up to episode two so far where he's got a lot of battle damage and stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and when you're filming a, a TV show or a movie, everything's out of sequence. They film right. the beginning first or last and the, you know, the, the ending first kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They had to bounce back and forth with all the different damage, you know, stages and stuff. So we were just building tons of uh, his particular costume. With different, you know, 
dings and armor and smashes and you know you see the the part where he gets that one shoulder piece replaced when he goes to the armor right you know mm-hmm. which i thought was kind of weird I, I wasn't really sold on that idea that you'd have like a classical armor hammering yeah space age metal you know can we talk about that real quick sure. so uh, we've got this really awesome interaction happening between this guy who is looking very nefarious in this hut kind of western looking town and then he's got like the empire's insignia on his chest so he's clearly attached to the empire in some way maybe mm-hmm. a remnant maybe he's a he's an outlying member of whatnot but when he hands him that piece I thought that that was like a denomination of money when right. I first saw I was like, well, this is, is this like a gold right. bar or something? So I was kind of thrown. Yeah. So, I mean, I consider myself a pretty big Star Wars fan of the films. Mm-hmm. Now, there are bigger Star Wars fans who read all the comics and all the side novels and just everything that has ever been put out. I, th- I think you're sitting next to one Victoria. right now. Victoria. So, so a couple who? things with that were like the title. Nope. I've had to explain to people what a Mandalorian was. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the Mandalorian? I'm like, oh, well, that's the race of people that Boba Fett had come from. Mm-hmm. And it sort of touches base on that with, like, the the uh, CG cartoon. Um, Clone Wars? The Clone Wars. Yes. Um, and, you know, books and stuff like that. And in the, I guess, mid-'80s, I remember reading articles about Boba Fett and where he came from and speculation. And I think that's where I first heard Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Mandalore the planet he comes from, Mandalorian. Yeah, because there was, I think the initial stuff that they put out was on Bantha Tracks. Uh, Craig Miller was on the show, and he used to have a newsletter that he put out for the fans called Bantha Tracks. And I believe when they first started to introduce him, they said that his armor was based off of shock troopers. So that's how they right. first started. But then, because his fandom grew so much, right. things started to develop with like his backstory of like what he was Yeah, the, the original was. design of Boba Fett was black and white, just like the Stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, if you're a fan, you, you've seen this in magazines or stuff like that. And uh, it premiered on the Star Wars Holiday Special. It's a yeah. cartoon. Oh, and that's God. where the color scheme had come yeah, in. He wasn't dude. black and white anymore. It's like um, blue, yellow, red. Like it very was just, colorful. Yeah, it was like basically what they painted him to be in the film, mm-hmm. in Empire. So when that the film came out, they really hyped that character up a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't even have a name. They, they never called him Boba Fett in, in all of Empire Strikes Back. He's always just a bounty hunter. Yeah. So when the toys came out and people realized his name was Boba Fett and he just became this huge character, I don't even. I think even like George Lucas was saying, he didn't get how he became so popular. He's got three lines in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I just think for kids like myself, he just looks so damn cool and he's mysterious. The toys. Yeah, yeah. he was cool looking, mysterious, um, just kind of a badass character that was yeah. there for a flash. And I think that's what really works for me in film. It's Jaws, Alien, Predator. Anything you see a little bit, you're more intrigued by. Right. If you see two hours of that, it might get a little old. So, going to Mandalorian, I like the design. Wasn't a huge fan of like the chrome helmet. Mm. Um, I was hoping to see a little bit more of like sort of like traditional painted with a bunch of damage and stuff. Weathered in areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But that's nothing that Legacy uh, was responsible for. I think we already got designs, you know, from. Mm. Um, uh, their design. Uh, who am I thinking of? Doug Ooh. Chang. I'm sorry. Okay. I believe Doug Chang had had done a lot of design work on him. So, question: the helmet that he's wearing at this point in the show. I mean, he's that's made of the metal that he's getting the show. So that, that's yeah, already that's to answer what you were talking about. That piece of metal. Again, super fans. Beskar is the name of that special metal. I didn't know anything about that. Okay. Me neither. Yeah. So apparently, the Mandalorians prize this very special metal that's got some sort of properties mm-hmm. um and if you haven't seen episode two don't want to spoil anything but 
uh, when he tries to trade with the Jawas and they're like, they want his medal. And he's like, can't have that. Yeah, sorry, right. bro. So that's still something I'm not real super familiar with. I mean, Dave Filoni is one of those guys that just knows everything about Star Wars. So he's incorporated a lot of that stuff into The Mandalorian. And, and you're kind of left a little lost, you know, uh-huh. if you don't really, if you're not really caught up on things. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the special medal, that was kind of a thing to me. Well, wait and, a minute. Isn't Pedro in the suit for a lot of the scenes or no? So let me answer that like this. <laughs> um... Toby Maguire as Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Got it's it. only Toby Maguire as Spider-Man when you see his face. Gotcha. Copy that. I can't. Copy I, that. It's Chris something. I'm sorry. I don't remember his last name. Was the stuntman who is actually Spider-Man. Gotcha. Um, and that happens a lot mm-hmm. in this business. If you don't see their face, the person doesn't want to be doing the suit work. So from my understanding, Pedro is the voice of that as of now. I'm not sure if season two he's going to be in the costume more. Um but from what I understand, he's not in it a lot. Gotcha. And I don't remember the actor's name, uh, who's actually the physical physical character in the suit. But that, you know, I think that's probably why they switched from a six-foot-two guy to, to a stunt guy his height. How right. is Pedro a big guy? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, don't, I think five, he's five, probably five, six, something like maybe 5'7". I'm okay. not quite sure. But he's not 6'2", put it that way. Okay. So when they switched, yeah, yeah. they had to switch the whole costume for his stunt guy. Yeah, I, th- I, I riffing off what you said earlier, Tim, like the whole kind of like blacksmith moment, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? In episode two there, I was just thinking like, well, okay, yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it kind of harkens back to like this very hands-on process, mm-hmm. ha- metallurgy, if you mm-hmm. will. But yeah, you would think in this technologically advanced kind of world that we kind of are living in that maybe it would be like some crazy warped design of 3D printing mixed oh, with yeah. like you laser shaping. Like a big stamp or something. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's literally they smelt it. It's melted down and <laughs> wow. she's hammering it. And her... Her um, uh, helmet was very, like, Trojan, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that kind of, eh, I was like, I don't know about that, you know. Yeah. But these, it's it's personal preference, and there's so much stuff going on there. Right. Um, like, some of the things that I did were all, a lot of the background Mandalorians that were in that scene where he's walking down the hall towards mm-hmm. her. Um, so I got the job to paint all these helmets and they're just background so they want you to go as fast as possible right well i did go fast but i did as much as i could like made them as kick-ass as possible mm-hmm. and rumor was someone on set told me that uh, dave filoni had saw him was like what the hell are these These look great mm. it's like these are just background but as an artist and a fan of star wars i want to make it look as good as possible right absolutely so dude. then when i see the episode and they're all basically in the pitch black i'm like shit <laughs> all that hard <laughs> work see any of that yeah. soft focus I yeah like, they're oh, really man. just silhouettes and i was like ah oh, all right bummer so maybe they'll show them again later and I, I don't know dude so. but i mean the attention to detail tim that is what i love when i hear not only from filmmakers and artists but that just is in testament to you as a person as a professional that it doesn't matter what the job is you know you want to make sure it is top notch yeah you know and that even though these shots might be uh background soft focus, et cetera, you've got people like a Filoni looking at it going, holy shit, yeah. you know, great job, man. I mean, that is yeah. what you want to see. You oh, want yeah. to see that from whoever you're working with. You want to see that with your, you know, your, your peers, your team, you know, the people that are coming on to be a part of this because there's an excitement. There's a fervor. I mean, yeah. I'm sure being on that set, dude, there had to be electric. You know, people were just like, dude, we're working on an awesome Star Wars show. Yeah. I was on set for a couple of days, um, which was great. Uh, but going back to like painting stuff, uh, eventually, you know those things are going to become toys. They're going right. to use those as reference of course. when they're making toys and stuff. I hope they make toys this time. You know, they haven't made any toys from the the Force Awakens. I felt 
you know. Well, what they've got now of Mandalorian, so like I'm a big fan of the six seri- uh, six inch black series figures. Mm-hmm. So they've Same got here. the Mandalorian. I've got him. I've got IG Eleven, mm-hmm. and I um and I've not got uh Cara Dune yet. Uh, she's out there, but I've not got her figure yet. But that's all I've seen. I don't think I've seen anything. Yeah, beyond I'm not that. sure what's going on with their marketing. I was really disappointed when Force Awakens because I, I grew up in the '80s, and I remember as a kid just getting a ton of Star Wars figures. <laughs> yeah, they made a figure for every character. It was it yeah. was Empire. It, it like the I don't know the name of the droid, but it has all the little arms that go all the way around it. It's very was it a medbay droid when yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Luke was in the back to tank? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They made yeah. toys of everything, and then when. Force Awakens comes out and, they, and Han Solo goes to that cantina. Like, you see these weird mosquito creatures and this yeah. werewolf guy and all this. I'm like, cool. And a giant dude that's wearing, like, sort of the Bosque Yeah, uh, he, he had that kind of jumpsuit, flight yeah. suit thing on. The this chip was on his thing. arm. I haven't seen a toy of that. Yeah. You know, that, that thing came out years ago. I'm like, where's the marketing for well, this? Well, you know what toy's going to come out from the Mandalorian? That baby Yoda. <laughs> so, that was something so hard not to tell people about. I know. I mean, He's so cute. I, you know, I didn't put my hands on that character. Uh, Real quick, Tim, I don't sure. mean to interrupt you, man. Uh, practical or VFX? I think Michael and I said a mixture of both. Well, I, I definitely, I didn't, I didn't disagree that it's probably a mixture of both, but I was very happy to see that it was a puppet. It's a puppet. Yes. Yeah. It's a puppet, but I think it might have been comped. Obviously, when they're shooting stuff on, you know, rod removal. <laughs> When when you talk about disagree. when you talk about VFX, you know it's like if you are puppeteering things with green uh, rods, then mm-hmm. those get removed. So right. there is a VFX element to that. Right. But from my understanding, everything was puppeteered. Yes. Um, which is incredible. And uh, you know, a handful of people that were at Legacy, um, like Trevor Helmsley and uh, Ryan Pentar, painted the the Baby Yoda. Um, I was a little envious. I'm like, man, that thing is so damn cute. <laughs> yeah, and, and as soon as I saw it, I'm like, they're gonna sell the crap out of that because I want to buy one. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm right. not big fan of the porgs, and those things were everywhere. Oh yeah, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see Baby Yoda everywhere. Yeah. Baby so Yoda cute. will be everywhere. Yeah. yeah, I've already seen the memes. They're all over the place. Have you yeah. seen the one sheet? They they put out one sheets. So I saw them on Reddit now, and it just shows like the Baby Yoda in the little egg floating towards, and it's just kind of like comped in the middle there. Oh, it's cute. Yeah. It's adorable. It's a Dorps. I'm really happy that yeah. it's a Muppet. I, I really have. I'm really happy. I was going to be so upset if that was a CGI. Yeah. Well, I love practical stuff, man. Yeah. And Same I think here. we talked about that the yeah. last time you were on the show. It practical just it gives something else not only to like the actors that are working in the scene with it, but even just the crew and everything and lighting it correctly and just there's just something about practical. Well, you know, again, acting is reacting and you have to react to an object. It's really sure. hard to act against a tennis ball. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, my opinion has always been, and I might have mentioned this before, if it's something that's way too big, CG is really good for dinosaurs and robots Mm -hmm. and things that are huge. But if it's going to be a human-sized character, I see no reason at all to make it a CG character. Mm -hmm. It just, your eye picks up that it's fake. Your brain is going to see that it's fake. And yes, a guy in a rubber monster suit is technically fake, but it's there. Yes. Mm -hmm. So you accept it. You know, your mind accepts it and you can, you can, uh, the suspension of disbelief, you're just like, I totally get it. Yeah. But if you're looking at a a visual effect, effect and you're like, you're basically watching a really polished cartoon. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's the disconnect for me. I think that's that way for a lot of people. And how many puppeteers were on Baby Yoda? I want to say at least three. I could be wrong. I wasn't there for that. Um, One on each arm, one on the head. Yeah, probably. Um, I think there might have been three. I'm not quite sure. But but still, there's puppeteers there, which is great. Yeah. Um, There's an art to that. There really is. Was it Jim Henson? Do you know if it was Jim Henson's people or... 
No, that's all legacy guys. It's all legacy yeah. guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. We built it there, and they took it to set, and they performed it. And, oh, do yeah. you have any like secret photos with it? That you're oh hell no, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Confiscated oh, all no. phones. Can, no, this is it, you know nowadays that is something that can get you into so much trouble. Right. Um. You know we have meetings all the time about taking photos and not posting them on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, even it's with stuff that's been out for a long time. It's, oh really? Yeah. Even if it's like public at that point. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Why? Um, Why even it's just, if it's public? It's a. I think it's just a corporate practice now. It, it's very hmm. controlling, and social social media is so instant. Yes. You put something up, and it's all over the planet that day, and yeah. they see the power of that, and they really are trying to control that. So um, a lot of us are confused. Like, okay, do we take pictures of the work so that we can, you right, know, right? Um, because I mean, as artists, and when you're developing yeah. molds, and you're looking at like yeah. weathering processes, and maybe like different templates of how things are building out, I'm sure yeah. you. How do you document it? Like, well, I mean, I've been given very specific instructions that I'm allowed to as I'm working on things. Mm-hmm. You know, they they have to like, I guess they have to trust you. You know, mm-hmm. to make sure that you're not going to put anything out, and it happens all the time. People put things out on accident. Um, even it's so crazy that if John Favreau posts anything on Instagram, um, we have to get special permission to take that same post and repost it. Oh, really? you can't yeah. just retweet it. You uh-uh. can't just like uh, nope. reshare it. Wow! Nope. They're like, well, wow. that's that's John Favreau. That's not you. So understood. And it's basically yeah. my rule is just don't do it, and you'll be fine. <laughs> right. You know, don't even think about it. Don't risk it. You'll be fine. Not yeah. even for like personal documentation, just taking a photo with it. And the, just it's, not no, post- that's the hard thing. It's like you build this stuff, you make this stuff, and you want to take pictures of your work. Mm-hmm. But then they fall back on, well, it's technically not yours. It's the property of Lucasfilm and Disney. Uh, it's through whatever special effects company you've worked for, so that's a big no-no. Um, mainly because it's spoilers. Right. Mm-hmm. Think of all the great things you saw when you were younger. Alien and Predator, I always use those as examples. Um, on-set photos are so hard now to find uh, because mm-hmm. they didn't take a lot then. But anything now, it's because it'd be ruined. There's no surprise anymore right. when it comes to revealing a character or a monster because it's, it's true. all over the place a year before the movie comes out. Right. You know, So if you're a filmmaker and you want to shock somebody, good luck. Because there's, pro- it's probably going to get out. Well, I think John Favreau was even talking about how worried he was that the Baby Yoda was going to come out before the because reveal. Because they, they just they're they're really hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's they're real strict. So you know, thankfully they did a, a great job and everybody kept it under wraps. Um, like I said, I, I was dying to tell people what I knew <laughs> for <laughs> yeah, a year. Yeah. Um, same with uh, my friend Chris Bartlett. It's like we've seen a lot of stuff that was like, ah, I want to say something, but yeah. you can't, you know. Now, um, you just mentioned Chris. So yeah. um, for everybody out there, Chris Bartlett is another contractor with Lucasfilm. He does some C-3PO work, and his wife, Rachel, does some VO stuff with Lucasfilm as well. But that's kind of how we met, Tim. Right. And uh, just go into kind of how you guys So, all yeah, Chris, Chris. Um, so let me go backwards a little bit. When I did my short, Birth of a Monster. Uh, Great film, everybody. Check it out. Up on YouTube. Peep it. Thank we you. also have an episode about it, too. Yeah, peep yes. that, too. Um the guy who played my Android OTK uh, was a friend of mine by the name of Dan Bowman. So Dan, we're on Instagram one day, and he finds this guy randomly who's into motorcycles because they like motorcycles. They become friends. All of a sudden, he's realized, wait a minute, this guy actually plays C-3PO for something, and then they just become friends. <clears throat> I'm like, that's a crazy little story. Um and then the more we got to know Chris, he was like, yeah, I do things for like the Oscars and he's done a, a commercial spot when Anthony Daniels couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So other officially, other than Anthony Daniels, he is C-3PO nice. during certain things. Um, fast forward a, a while 
and I'm at Legacy Effects, and I'm in a meeting, and somebody was talking about costumes that we're building, and they didn't have people to play it. Um, so one guy was brought up, and that didn't work out, and then I basically just raised my hand and said, I know a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy by the name of you know Chris Bartlett, he plays C-3PO for the Oscars and commercials and stuff. Let's And uh, the uh, office coordinator, Damon Weathers, was like, yeah, give me his information. We'll, we'll have him come in for a fitting for a character that I believe is in episode three. Um, but I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not, I'm not going to say what that guy looks like. But All right. So they called Chris in, and he got the part. And it, Awesome. The funny thing is, he'd already worked for Disney. He, he's obviously affiliated with Disney because he does things for the Oscars, and he does right. But the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing a lot, so they didn't contact him directly. You kind of have to remind them, hey, remember this guy? Um, so since then, he's actually got a few parts um, on the show. He plays the ferryman in episode one. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember the race of character, but you've seen him in A New Hope, where he's that yep, dude yep, yeah. with yeah. a long snout, and he plays a little flute, and yes. the Uber drivers show up. <laughs> um, so that's also Chris. So he's kind of dug himself into getting a few parts, which I think is great. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. It is. You know, from a friend of mine, then all of a sudden becomes, dude, you're a Star Wars like character, more than one character. That's really cool yeah yeah um so yeah i think he's got more stuff coming up too that's great yeah. that's great and i think it's fantastic again how like the community you know the star wars mm-hmm. community the effects community i mean people just reaching out to one another and just helping each other out that's fantastic yeah. that's right re- that's, really cool. that's a great thing about being fans there's you have a common thing and that common love for something means that you share and you can talk about it and um you know people who are on the outside of that just kind of don't get it sometimes right exactly and it's a club it's a giant club you know yeah. which is great now, going back, and I, I know you can't tell us, but you can, I hope, say yes or no to this. Do you actually know who Baby Yoda is? Actually, I do not. Oh, you don't? Oh. No, but just as a viewer. So here's the thing. They they were very strict about everything, but they did give me the opportunity to read the scripts. Oh, so you read throughout No, the they gave me the opportunity to read the scripts. Oh, gotcha. And okay. they said, uh, Legacy Effects said, okay, you have to sign out for the script. You know, you have to be responsible for that. And they, they put a lot of trust in you, which is like, that's great. But I'm not going to read them because mm. I didn't want to ruin my own viewing of oh. something that I thought was so great. I'm like, okay. okay, give me the basics. Like, what do we need to create? What do I need to paint? Give me the designs. I'll do that. So I was very tempted to read the scripts. I was offered, but I'm like, no, I don't want to. You are a better man that, than me. It's, wow. it's, it's, it's hard. I would like, give me that. It's hard. It's really hard. But I will say this. Some of the previous films that have come out maybe in script form they would have been way better and then when it comes out as a film you're like what the hell you know mm-hmm. and you're completely disappointed mm-hmm. so i'd rather like as a kid just see it when it comes out and just mm-hmm. be surprised mm-hmm. by things mm-hmm. and and i don't watch a lot of trailers i try not to ruin things for myself and as far as the baby yoda character um from what i know as a fan this is not coming from the inside of anything they say he's 50 years old in the show. Yes. Right. And this show happens pretty close to right after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, five years. So that there's an overlap. It's five years. It's five years. There you go. Yeah. So he's already 45 or whatever right, by the right. time the Empire is done. So mm-hmm. there's there's a cross between him and Yoda. So it can't be the Yoda character. That we know. The of. way I see it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Who and knows? I mean, it's just, I think it's just the internet doesn't know what else to call the baby besides Baby Yoda. I was calling it Baby Yoda at Legacy because they did not give us any information. Right. You know, it's clearly like, the same species. It's cute as hell. looks like Yoda. We we call it Baby Yoda. Yeah, what is the, spe- the Yaddle Yoda species? What is it called? I don't think anybody knows. George Lucas There's never... There's gotta be No, but name. George Lucas never named him. 
Listen, there's We're been going a lot to the of, net. Listen, a lot of the internet has tried to find this. And, We're going to the net. And the internet's like, I don't, wait. But the funny thing about the internet is these, these people are so ravenous about instant gratification. And that's a problem with, I think, the younger generation because I'm an old man now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they want to know right now. And what's the problem with mystery? Right. I, this is why I loved Boba Fett as a character. Who the hell was he? You never see his face. Right. Um, I don't want that ruined. Um, I think that was ruined in episode two, Attack of the Clones, when they show that it was this little kid who, mm-hmm. you know, his dad gets killed in front of him. His dad's Jango Fett. And you're like, OK, that didn't, that's not what I thought. You know, right. well, we'll talk about something after the show <clears throat> regarding that whole piece there. Okay. Um, and, and I agree with the mystery part of things. I think mystery is great because what it also invokes is conversation with mm-hmm. people after the fact. You've got fans kind of engaging with one another right. and saying, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Because it really is. Stories are a communal process of like bringing people together and saying, hey, what did you take off of that? Like, Mm -hmm. what did you get from that? Like, some people might love it. Some people might hate it. Some people might have learned a lesson. Some people might try things. But it also keeps people coming back for more. So, again, if you don't, I don't know, kill somebody, then you you leave the mystery going. So, apparently, uh, Master Yoda's species is listed as Lanik. L-A-N-N-I-K. Yes, but go to the George Lucas quote. So apparently this is from the Wikipedia. Yeah, okay. Go to the George Lucas quote. That what is he George is. Lucas? What does that guy know? What does that know, guy know, this George enti- Lucas guy? I, last I heard, it was his IP. And, and like, where does this come from? Is this from a, a, a novel? Is it yes. from a comic book? Is it yeah. from yeah, the I know. now non-canonized <laughs> source material that right. Disney doesn't George want to George Lucas was anymore. just like, he's a mysterious figure. He just comes in and out kind of thing. Well, but, we'll, we'll go with George. That guy, he created a few things. We'll you know, one of the, you were talking about those those kinds of movies that you have to talk about and and they're kind of vague. <clears throat> those are some of my favorite. The Thing. John Carpenter's The mm-hmm. Thing is like that. You mm-hmm. never know who The Thing is at some times. Like, there's a shadowy figure when the dog walks in the room. You're like, you, that doesn't look like anyone in the cast. Yeah. So who the hell is that? So that's, again, you can talk about that forever. Right. And even, uh, like, the DVD commentary, Kurt Russell and, and uh, John Carpenter, like, we didn't really even know. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't know who was what. I'm like, that's great. You yeah. can talk about that forever. Yeah. And, like, with Blade Runner, is he an android or is he not? Right. They put right. the unicorn there, and then when the director's cut came out, he has dreams about unicorns, so it implies he is a replicant. Mm-hmm. But it's that still, like, back and forth that makes those movies still really fun. You can right. still talk about those. But if you lay it all out completely like this is it, you're like, okay, great. Two days later, you don't care anymore. Right. You yeah. know what's really interesting uh, about what you're bringing up, Tim, is so as a filmmaker, we did some focus grouping on our last feature. Mm-hmm. And we had people between the ages of 18 up to 60 checking out the rough cut in different stages. All right. Mm-hmm. So if anybody out there, filmmaker, I highly recommend if you have the opportunity to go outside of your group. What I mean by your group is friends fellow filmmakers, go to the public, go to people that will be consuming your product and just get some reactions off them. Get some, you know, feedback of, hey, is this making sense? Is my story coming across? Like, do you know who these characters are? Do you know who the focus is? The interesting thing is the films that you're talking about, like The Thing, Blade Runner, etc., these are films that are obviously extremely iconic for the reasons that they are. You know, The Thing, great horror, you know, interesting concepts with the characters and like who's infected, who's not infected. Blade Runner, amazing highbrow sci-fi. When you start getting into the public sometimes, mm-hmm. people have to almost be spoon-fed in a lot mm-hmm. of ways of like, hey, this is the bad guy and you know what? I need to dress them in black now just yeah. be, to like, you know, uh, a visual stimuli of this and that. And I'm not saying that the public needs to be 
pandered to and babied, but it was really interesting to see through these groups as we went, as we went through about four or five different cuts of how everybody was like, well, I'm kind of confused. Like, what is this person? But you're, you're so attached to the material. And you, as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. you're giving that to other filmmakers and they're going, oh yeah, it totally makes sense to me. Whereas when you're giving that content out to someone who just might be, you know, hey, I watch TV shows every once in a while and I, I watch a movie, they're lost, you know, they're off. So I think that's what happens when we get to these places where you have more thinking films that come out, like more, a little bit more um, um, uh, cerebral projects that come out. And you do have like uh, highbrow nerd society, if you will, that's like, dude, I love this film. And then you have other stuff that's really spoon fed and people mm-hmm. kind of look down their nose at it and go, dude, it's really just kind of giving everything on a platter. So I think there's a reason why things kind of live like that. It's it's become more like that, I think, nowadays with, um, you know, the real the pushing of diversity and a lot of political correctness. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line to to film is that it's art. It's a piece of art made by what should be an artist. It's now made by committee. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about taking your artwork to other people, um, what do you guys think? And if most of them don't get it, you go, oh, well, let's change it so everybody gets it, so that everybody will want to see it. It changes your artwork. Now, look at the number of people who are successful filmmakers or filmmakers in general or people in this town working uh-huh. in this business. The percentage is so you know microscopic to the percentage of the public. Mm-hmm. And that's for a reason. A lot of people aren't artists. You know, A lot of people don't do what I do or do what you guys do working in film. I don't think you should have to go out to the masses and go, is this acceptable to everybody? Mm-hmm. Because, and I, I, I might have said this on the last one, my, my favorite example is if you get a committee to design a horse, you get a camel, <laughs> right? Hey, everybody, design a horse. Well, I, I think it should be this. I think it should be that. Right. And that is so much of what we deal with now in practical effects. It's like 200 producers all have a say in something. And it used to be when... Uh, you know, James Cameron needs a robot done. He drew it himself. You mm-hmm. know, he drew the Terminator and handed it off to Stan Winston and said, hey, you guys build this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's two people. Yeah. You know, now Disney is a lot of people. Yeah. And even when I'm working subcontracting with Disney, I've got four people asking me for the same thing. And I'm like, don't you guys talk amongst yourselves? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> is this yeah. company so big? There's three people doing the same damn thing and they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and it's like, so... When it comes to film and artwork, you really have to just make something that you like mm-hmm. and hope that it it, it does well. <clears throat> I mean, I definitely agree with that, but I, I think at the same time, it, it's a tricky yin and yang balance, right? You you can make something and it's all your vision, but if nobody goes to see it and nobody pays for it, then it's almost like you're not going to be able to get to oh, the I next one. Oh, I would definitely one. counter what I just said <laughs> with The Last Jedi. Yeah. So taking something that's so beloved and established and just tossing it out the window is not exactly what you do with this franchise. Right. Agreed. Um, so I guess I'm coming from more of an independent filmmaker. And, you know, some of the other movies, like I said, Thing, mm-hmm. uh, Blade Runner, which were very, very, you know, um, encapsulated stories. Right. Star Wars is not. It's huge. Right. And to take this enormous universe of something that's already been so established and just piss it all the way the, away the way they did, um, Ryan Johnson. Um, it's just <laughs> it was, hard, that it's whisper even came through. <laughs> it's heartbreaking, you know, to to do something so I think detrimental to what people have been accustomed to. Yeah, know. I think I think maybe the trick is to know your audience of where you want to pitch your particular art form to. If you know where you're going to get 
the consumers. Sure. Then I think then that's the perfect balance of of the. That's art. another great statement because when I when you talk about like um, political correctness and equality, mm-hmm. these movies were made essentially for boys. I have two sisters. They weren't very interested in Star Wars. Mm. I was. You know, my sisters got Ewoks because they were cute. Right. You know, um, but I, I, you know, again, having a lot of women in my family, I like when they, they're like, oh, Princess Leia is a really strong female character. And 40 years later, they're saying, oh, finally, we have some really strong female characters. And you're like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, my, one of my personal. Ripley? Heroes is Ripley from Aliens. I grew up on an army base and she was badass. People loved her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Vasquez is too. Mm. Um, They're great, great, strong female characters. And for now, the the media to come up, finally, there's this, you know, Ray and Rose. Like, what do you mean, finally? I've been watching this shit for 40 years. Right. You know? Yeah, and like the rose, I mean the rose side of it. I, if if we're gonna even put rose in the convo, it's like man, she she has such a little amount of screen time to yeah. really kind of blossom in any way, you know. And well, that, that's the problem with the new the new trilogy is uh, there is no character development, and it in part two it just doesn't go anywhere. Um, I, of course, everyone's really upset about uh, from my you know uh, interaction with my friends that are fans. Not many people like the Last Jedi. It's not like Empire Strikes Back where there was a lot of character arcs and mm-hmm. development where bad mm-hmm. things happen they get their butt kicks in empire at the end of that it's like a downer movie yeah yeah you know but then that, that was so cool you're like oh man i can't wait to see how they come back right mm-hmm. um last jedi i'm like i can't wait to watch the old movies <laughs> yeah you know just throw on a new hope um, right now. let's talk have you guys talked about anyone being excited about the newest one coming out uh, you know, I, I, I'm like everyone I talk to Mandalorian. Let's see this. I, I was it's just... a long form TV show. Game of Thrones. They're doing it right now. Yeah. You know, so long form TV for me is like, ah, oh, crap. I think that's the way it's going. I, I was just going to say that, Tim. I've found more and I'll jump to you after this, Victoria. I found more people being excited about Mandalorian than the Rise of Skywalker. And that's just in like my camp of friends that, you know, filmmakers, writers, actors, you know, I'll, I'll say, hey, what do you think of like the new Rise of Skywalker teaser or this? And they're like, ah, I don't know, dude, but this Mandalorian show, yeah. you know, it's always, I don't know, eh, I'll check it out. Eh, and that's, it's surprising yeah. to me because you're thinking about all the taglines, all the marketing mm-hmm. is pushing towards an end of a saga, the end of this, an end of that. And you're thinking that there should be this rolling excitement that should be building. And instead, you're just getting people getting more excited to see yeah. who this lone gunslinger is yeah. in a television series. Because that's, the, I think that was a natural evolution of the story. They shouldn't have, to me, the final movie was Return of the Jedi. Mm. That's the final movie. They, they live happily ever after. That's, a, that's how most stories end. Okay, as human beings, you read that. You read this in any culture, happily ever after. Bookend, end of the chapter. End of story. Mm-hmm. To come back to that and basically destroy all that and say, well, these are the new people. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> um, I'm not accepting that, you know? Right. And so The Mandalorian is someone new, someone fresh in the same universe. Let's. We don't know who this guy is, what yeah. he's doing. Or how he's connected to yeah. people that he could be connected to the people that we exactly. know. We don't know that yet. They're not strictly saying that he's not. That's because this is actual character development. Right. You're two episodes in, and the second episode is all action. Yeah. yeah. You're like, man, this is great. You know, it's 40 minutes of just action. When you, when you have to wrap up this entire saga in a two-hour movie, you just cram so much crap in there. Uh, we got to kill this person, kill that person, introduce, you know, and there's, there's too much going on. Right. I, I was saying to Victoria on our previous episode, you know, Star Wars is starting to feel like a bunch of little vignettes to me now. The movies are. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to give you 
cool, quick, awesome moments. And then they go, if you want to know more, we've got a book you can buy and purchase and learn right. about. We've got a comic series. Right. We've got this. And that, to me, as a consumer, feels a little, I, I get a little jaded on that. Like, come on, man. Can yeah. we just please develop this a little further? Yeah. First of all, I don't have the time to read all that stuff. You know, I have an eight-year-old. <laughs> a lot. So my son, who was in Birth of a Monster, was five when we started. He's almost nine now. So that is how life goes. I don't have time to read all the comic books. I don't yeah. have time to purchase all of your other items to finally get what you're saying in this movie that should be self-contained. There's so know? many. I mean, when you do look at the storylines, too, I mean, there's a Star Wars comic line. There's a Han Solo. There's a Lando. There's a Luke Skywalker. There's an Age of the Republic. Like, there are a lot of storylines. If you want to read them, there's a ton of books out right. there. There's right. a lot of content to consume. And there's are, a lot. are any of these... Canon anymore, anyways. Didn't Disney say well, no to all that stuff? Well, I believe I'm talking about the stuff that just came out through Marvel. Oh, gotcha. Over the past, okay. ever since so Disney I believe acquired, that is canon, yes, yeah. yeah. Since yeah. Disney acquired, they launched a whole Star Wars line through Marvel. There is a Star Wars running book that I believe takes place right after right after Episode Four goes leads us up into Empire. But then there's a whole Vader comic series. Like there is a lot of content to consume. Right. And but real quick, going back to you, Victoria, <laughs> with like um, excitement level. Rise of Skywalker, friends, people you've been talking to, jamming with. What do you think? So the argument I was making in another episode about why Han Solo should not die is that he is a major draw for me and a major pull, and I'm interested in his journey and his character, and there's so much history and all that stuff. The second they killed Han Solo and Force Awakens, spoiler alert Yeah, I guess. Sorry. I yeah. guess. He goes out. Um, he goes out. I got very uninterested because there was a lot of unanswered questions that I'm not going to get an answer to. Mm -hmm. One, because Carrie Fisher died. And two, they just killed off Han Solo. And there's just so many questions that I would have liked to have seen explored. If you are going to get rid of OG characters, you get rid of them in episode nine because that will keep the older generation of people that grew up with the OG uh, trilogy coming back. Invested in invested in invested. all three of those movies, not just, mm. you not know, just as, one of yeah, those movies. Exactly. And then they killed Luke in the second one. I was like, are you ki are you kidding? I don't yeah. care about these Again, so what does that do? That just makes it worse and worse. And by the time the third movie comes out, honestly, I'm not really in all that. I'm not interested. Mm. Right. I'm not excited. They're bringing back Papaltina. I'm like, okay. Yeah. They're, they're bringing him back. It's, oh, whatever. It seems kind of desperate. Um, and you were talking about the marketing for this. The So I saw one trailer for um, Rise of Skywalker. And it was a bunch of clips from the original trilogy. I'm like, okay, I'll go watch the original then, guys, if that's what you want <laughs> me to do. Those. You're showing us all the good stuff, and then you throw the cast that nobody likes in there. And, you, yeah. you know, and like, okay, that's not going to get me to go watch the end of what you've already done to, mm. this, to all these characters. Um, my opinion on the, the death of Han Solo was everyone dies, okay? And in a story, if you had to have him die, I think it should have just been a, a little bit more grandiose. Yeah. Um, and it took me quite a while to realize what I felt about what I saw in uh, The Force Awakens. And I compared it to this. I felt like, wow, they just took a part of your childhood, this really great character, and just kind of threw it away. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever. And I got that visually when he gets killed and just kind of flops over the, the, the railing or whatever, like the walkway, like a ragdoll. I'm like, wow, that's exactly what they did to my character. They just kind of tossed it away like it didn't mean anything. Mm. Yeah. Because it doesn't. Because in the end, nobody cares, apparently. There's no big funeral like they had for Padme. There's no big anything. Right. The only scene they ever had was Luke Skywalker basically sort of weeping about it that they cut out of The Last Jedi. So that's yeah. not even in there. Yeah. So basically, someone you've grown to love as a kid who's a very memorable character. You know, yes. it's Harrison Ford. Mm -hmm. uh, Han Solo and Indiana Jones. Yeah. You know, 
enormous characters <clears throat> in film piss it away bye and then there's nothing afterwards no one cares you know um, yeah, I mean, Chewie walks right by Leia getting off the Falcon. Like, she yeah. doesn't even acknowledge. She gives Ray a exactly. hug. Exactly. Yeah. And you're going like, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. And we I mean, just met Ray, too. So it's just like, I don't know why it's Ray's moment when it should be Chewie and Leia's moment. because they're really forcing you, like, this is who we want you to like. Well, that's not your decision. Yeah. It's, it's people liked Boba Fett, and it wasn't George Lucas's decision for everyone to like that. I don't even think they get it. It just happened to be that way. Yeah. So you have this great cast of uh, newcomers in uh, the 70s who made this great movie that you just instantly loved. Yeah. And what do you do with that? And I think it's just an exercise in, in you know, what not to do. And I think they did a, what, a lot of what not to do's. Um, as a filmmaker and as a fan, I thought, even if, he, if Han Solo died in like episode nine, let's say he had to die in Force Awakens, there was a much better way to do that, a much more impactful that probably would have made me cry way to do that. Which is, you know, they have this super Death Star, which is now a planet. Mm. How the hell did they build that thing? <laughs> right. So um, yeah. it's bigger. The yeah. Empire's so dumb, I don't know how yeah. they got their power back. Uh, but I just don't so, know where that came so from. So Poe Dameron just goes, flies in and just shoots it up a bunch. And they 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 destroy the oscillator thing, the yeah. magic button. Yeah. And the whole planet collapses. Like, that was awfully easy. I thought it would have been much more impactful if... They couldn't destroy this thing unless Han and Chewie actually flew the Millennium Falcon into that thing. Mm. So there's your self-sacrifice with Han Solo. Chewie and Han Solo, come on, man. They are just, you cannot separate them. Look at what they've done with The Last Jedi. You know, Chewie's just kind of he's like sort a prop of comic now. relief prop. Yeah. yeah, he's just in the background. Yeah. Like, oh, I guess I'm roasting these. Exactly. Borgs. Yeah, you got more dimension and more character from him in the original trilogy than you do in, in the new one. It's like nobody cares. So I think if, if they went off in a big way, you know, like okay, they're done. But then but again, they, you know, look what they did. I'm not against know? that choice. But then again, if you do it in the first movie of all three of the films mm-hmm. after. Star Wars has been gone for 30 years with the original characters and you finally bring them back it it, it just kills the momentum for me to go see two and three of this well, trilogy I, I think you know we discussed that off camera it's it's really I think was Harrison Ford just of course not wanting to continue yeah. doing another three movies which ever you know every fan's like please why yeah um, and I oh, think man. they enticed him this time like we'll kill you off you know we'll, we'll give you your wish after 40 years and, and get rid of your character and he's like okay I'm in so they had to kill him in the first movie because then he wasn't going to do two more, you know. Yeah, but it's a the, bummer. It's a bummer because I just think that just doesn't do any justice for the character. Yeah. The character that he owes his career to. Yeah, but if you look at it from Being Devil's Advocate, his point of view, he worked X amount of time on these movies. And if you've ever been on set, you're probably on like Star Wars might have been, I don't know, 40, 50 day shoot. I'm not sure. For Harrison Ford, it might have been 20 day shoot. Mm. And those 20 days are what you put into it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't follow Star Wars like the rest of the world does. He's not a right. fan of Star Wars like the rest of the world is. So he's like, yeah, it's just I was an actor. That's my thing. You know, and I'm done with it. I don't want to do that anymore. And no matter how much everyone has invested their personal life into it. Sure. That's what he, you know, I've always thought that man, they're missing out. You know, the people who are in this are really missing out on being a huge fan of it. And I think Mark Hamill is a huge fan of comic books. You know, he does the Joker voice and all that stuff. So he's kind of on the page. And I think he's also expressed his disappointment on 
the way things have gone. Right. Oh, oh yeah. He was very vocal about which, um, which I really, I really admire that. It's right. like you're not playing the game. You're not playing the oh, but it's a really good film. And you, you know, it's the bullshit that that Hollywood does. He's really outspoken and going, no, this this isn't right. This isn't what I thought. This isn't what the fans want. You know, it's like he's really being the champion of the of the voice of reason mm-hmm. yeah. um, when everyone else is just like, let's just do something crazy and just kill everybody. You know. Well, when he came out and he started being very open about that, when he was mm-hmm. doing, you know, press conferences, et cetera, and he was saying, well, I, I, I think he was referencing even the conversations he was having with Ryan Johnson. And he was like, I just completely disagree with the way you see Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. I just don't agree with the way you're seeing, you, you're, sh- you're showing Luke in this light. It felt like after that circulated for a little bit, then maybe somebody stepped in and said, hey, Mark, uh, uh, can you just relax on, yeah. on like just not being so outspoken about this? Yeah. And then it turned into, oh, well, you know, it's not so bad. Yeah. You know, But it did seem as if in the beginning he was voicing his opinion very openly and very honestly about I just disagree with the way that you see this character. And here, here's the thing that really kind of stood out for me with Last Jedi about what they did with Luke. And is people will like to say, oh, but they took risks and they took chances and they did all these things. I go, so wait, you're telling me that there was a risk and a chance being taken with Luke's character of him going away and isolating himself. Didn't Yoda kind of isolate himself and didn't Obi-Wan kind of isolate himself, but he just kind of looked on, you know, from a distance that might change with this new Obi-Wan series. I don't know. But did he really do anything different than what the other Jedi have done? What would have been different is if we would have seen him fail, but just rise again. Yeah. Fail and rise. It just seemed like it was a choice that was made that did not fall in line with the character that we were left with. Right. You know, it just felt very out of character of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, all of the, again, if you have to get rid of the OG characters, I want them to all have a moment to where we feel like we're, we've come to the end of the line for them. They've had their new struggles and they've gone on their journey and it's been fleshed out. And so I, I get the point of Disney wanting to create new heroes for a new generation. But when a, when a, when a series like this is this old and has been in the public mindset for this long, then you, I, as a filmmaker, would try and balance out the force, if you will, of oh. the old versus new mm-hmm. and give the old their due proper send-off and then give the new their time to shine because then you could continue with them afterwards if you wanted to, if the public grows to love them. But I think Daisy Ridley has even come out and said, oh, I'm going to be done after this. Well, I mean, let's look at what Daisy has had to do thus far. We're introduced to her as this orphan scavenger on this planet. Do we know anything else about her after two Again, movies? Again, like the <laughs> second movie should have been so, you know, that's the character arc. It should have been revealing. It should have been um, like the, 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 you know, the the high part of the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And it was just a flat line. There's like nothing different that happens in the second film that did, that happened in the first one in and Force Awakens. she doesn't Awakens. really struggle. She's so good at everything it's, it's, automatically. You know, I, I re- what was the term? Um, Mary Sue? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like I didn't even know what that was until I read so much about it. I'm like, wow, that does really fit. You know, yeah. Yeah. It, to me, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and the worst thing about someone who makes something that is a bad decision and then this is what Disney has done, which I think has upset a lot of fans, is they turn it around and make it like, well, you don't get it. You're not smart enough to get this. Right. You know, what we've tried to do is subvert expectations. <laughs> well, thanks for the, the keyword, but that doesn't mean anything to me. Right. You know, subverting expectations, um, I, I, you know, my expectations were really subverted when Han Solo got frozen in carbonite. Right. You yeah. know, you're like, wow, that's cool. Not that he got tossed over the rail and his kid killed him, and not that you know uh, 
Princess Leia has Mary Poppins powers and can fly back, you know, the right. spaceship when she's blown up and Admiral Akbar's killed and nobody says anything about it except for, oh yeah, Akbar's dead, by the way. But wait a minute, what? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Wasn't he a pretty damn big character in Return of the Jedi? Just it's like I actually out. really liked him. I know he was a big fish guy, but you can relate to that. Right. Mm. You know? Um again, they're just throwing stuff away and like, here's what you should like. I'm like, no, I don't like that. No, yeah. but you should like that. Well, I don't like that. Right. Well then you're dumb. <laughs> Wait a minute. What do you mean I'm dumb? You know? Yeah, exactly. We could go on and on about this, but I want to kind of wrap it up and take it back to what's going on with you nowadays. Tim? Yeah, what's happening, Tim? Oh, uh, so, you know, after my first film, uh, my first short, um, I didn't really want to continue to do more Star Wars shorts. It mm-hmm. was just something that I felt, again, like I was doing with my son. Um, I knew that that subject matter would attract people to help us, which it did. Um, and eventually my producer, uh, Alec Iskander, who uh, his company is Escape Velocity Content, he um, produced my, my short. They're like, why don't we do another one? I said, well, I don't really want to do another one until unless I come up with a really clever idea, you know, uh, off center idea again. And so I, you know, I thought about it for a while and I'm like, okay, I actually got a really, I got a really cool one I'd like to explore. So if anyone would like to, they all just jump back on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh crap, I got my whole crew back again. They're all totally down to do it. That's great. Uh, we want to do it differently this time though. The first one cost us a lot of money personally. Uh-huh. Um, and I think right now it's like just creeping under one and a half million views, which is great Ooh, for us. Very yeah. nice. Dude. Yeah. Which is great. Um, and I think, uh, EVC, um, uh, Alex production company went from like a couple hundred subscribers to like over 5,000 now. So it's done a lot for his, you know, Great. for us personally. Um, it's funny cause it's nothing we can make money off of. Um, with that being said, we spent so much money on the first one. We're trying to crowdsource this time okay. and hopefully get some money just to cover cost of productions and stuff like that. Um, so that's what I'm doing. Also, you know, I was working on the Mandalorian, um, and thankfully it looks like it's doing really well. It's doing so well now that um, there'll probably be a season three because they're shooting season two right now. Oh, they're shooting season two yeah. right now? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that it was yep. that fast. I mean, did you know that they had a season two script already ready to go? Um, season two started uh, several months ago. Okay. And I think it's because when they started, you know, everything, they want to sort of project how people are going to feel about it. And then like the baby Yoda and everything is like, wow, this thing's coming together really well. It looks good. Um and they, they greenlit a season two. So we are building stuff for season two several months ago at Legacy. I've also been doing stuff on my own for season two, um, which is great. But um, I don't, you know, I don't know where the story's going. Right. Um, I don't know how long it's going to focus on this one particular character. Right. But if it's already two seasons down, I mean, again, look at Game of Thrones. Yeah. You know, it lasted a lot of seasons with the same central cast. Right. You just have to keep it interesting. You have to keep the people, you know, your viewers. Um, and don't rush through it. Intrigued. And that's the great thing about the long form television. It's yes. not rushed. You know, it's like you sometimes it's like, man, let's OK, let's go. What's going on? And you have to wait a while to figure out, you know, the politics and how everything kind of ties into itself, um, which is what I really enjoy about The Mandalorian. Again, season one was or I'm sorry, episode one was just like, who's this guy? He's got a job. You know, and he, he goes to find his his mark. Mm-hmm. That's the first episode. And yeah. the second one, it's like he's got to, you know, his, his ship's been destroyed. He's got to, you know, go to the Jawas, which is great. All those little um, homages to what we've already known, you know, the giant sand crawler and stuff. They're really well done Yeah. for Mandalorian. I'm not sure what their budget is, but, you know, the visual effects, 
the the practical makeup effects, the the sets and stuff are they're top notch. It looks fantastic. Right. You know. So. No, I'm I'm very excited about it. I do think it feels like a Star Wars film, which is why I think a lot of people are attracted to it. I think they're putting certain elements that are based in nostalgia that makes people go like especially the baby Yoda character because mm-hmm. it's like it's we all are probably aware that it's not baby Yoda but it's still similar enough to something that we grew up with mm-hmm. that, that we're like yes I'm all about this new character that mm-hmm. is probably not Yoda but it's still we're still going to call it baby Yoda yeah. and it's filled with enough mystery to where we want to keep coming back and even though the Mandalorian is not Boba Fett it looks similar to Boba Fett mm-hmm. and even though that's like a different sand people and stuff like that those are still the sand people from the first movie so it's it's sprinkling just enough nostalgia while adding something new that that I think that's why it's working so well right I think it's it's also because they're keeping it simple yeah it's a simple story it's a you know they've they've come out and said it's very like western it's yeah. like an old western this gunslinger guy you know has he's a bounty hunter he's got a job and it's it's watching his journey find you know he runs into this Ugnot character um, and he learns how to ride uh, the um, Blurg, you yeah, know, which blurbs. is weird lizard characters. And that's fun. It, there's a lot of things you relate to, to things you've already seen, like you watching this guy change. Mm-hmm. And there's character development there. Yes. Which is lacking in, in the films, you know. And none of the materials you've been given have spoiled you on what's going to happen in season two yet? Yeah, there's there's a couple little things. Uh, obviously nothing I'm going to talk about. No, but not yet. As, as a fan, it's like, oh, man, I wish I didn't know that. Because yeah. that would be great oh, to just firm. discover. So I, I know there's there's some big stuff happening, which is going to be really cool for Star Wars fans. Um, That's great. Yeah, and I've got no, you know, I've got nothing really invested into plugging the show, except for that I think it's great. Yeah. You know, and if you're a Star Wars fan, it, for me personally, this brought back my fandom. Great. Um, I was so let down from the last film, I didn't really care about it anymore, you know? Right. It's like, whatever, move on. I'll watch the old movies. But then I started the show, I'm like, not only is it cool to have worked on it um, in, the, in the little ways that I did, but it, it's just really good. So That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Tim, we're going to have to bring you back because awesome. we want to hear more about the film that you're working on personally and The Mandalorian once the season is complete and we can talk more about the full season one. We definitely want to bring you back on to talk about those talking points there Absolutely. and what you had a hand in working with because it's so cool you worked on a Star <laughs> Wars show. Yeah. Especially a good one, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, until next time, awesome. we'll have to just bid you adieu right now. If my co-pilot would like to come and say goodbye, because hey. he left me for a second, <laughs> that's fine. There's I trouble handle in the it. outer rim, but we're cool. We're cool. Oh, we're I good. love that outer rim. Yeah. Anyways, but anyways, Tim, come back. Absolutely. Talk to us more Mandalorian in your film. And Absolutely. Until next time. Bye, guys. Bye, bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for the Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts like The 430 Movie, every Friday in which a group of writers and producers curate fantasy theme weeks of classic movies, and Disco Nights, the ultimate Star Trek discovery podcast available Sundays, and Glorious Trexperts, the only podcast for Star Trek fans with a life, and Best Movies Never Made, Monday nights featuring filmmakers talking about their favorite unmade projects. Mm-hmm. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us at TK on Twitter or TK on Instagram. Also, a very special thanks to Bill Ritter and everyone here at Electric Surge Network, including producers Natalie Michelli and Synthony Hodge, and executive producers Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman. So until next Thursday, may the Force be with you. And also with you. Always. Or at least for the next week. 
This is a production of the Electric Surge Network.